Hello, and welcome to This is Growing Old, a podcast from the Alliance for Aging Research. As you've probably noticed, I'm not your regular host, Sue Peshin. Sue mentioned on the last episode of the podcast that you would be hearing some new voices this season, and I'm one of them. My name is Lindsay Clark, and I'm the Vice President of Education and Advocacy at the Alliance for Aging Research. I'm so thrilled to be guest hosting today's episode, especially because we'll be talking about Valve Disease Day, a project very near and dear to my heart. February 22nd marks the fifth annual Heart Valve Disease Awareness Day, a day dedicated to spotlighting the importance of detecting and treating heart valve disease. We're looking forward to celebrating this year with a Valve Disease Day virtual celebration, a Facebook Live, a Twitter chat, and more. Be sure to check the show notes with links to how you can get involved. Valve Disease Day would not be possible without the 90 partners who have joined the campaign to lend their voices to the effort to raise awareness about heart valve disease. One of those partners is Heart Valve Voice U.S. Today, I'm so happy to share that John Lewis, Executive Director of Heartbell Voice US, is joining us on the podcast to talk about how the organization is raising awareness of heart valve disease. John, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Lindsay. John, please tell our listeners about Heartbell Voice US. What is your mission and what are your key programs focused on? We are a, a nonprofit patient advocacy organization, and we're focused on improving the diagnosis, treatment, and management of heart valve disease. Uh, The organization's been around uh, three or four years, and I joined about a year and a half ago as executive director. Um, So how do we go about doing this? We really work in three strategic areas that, that I like to put in these buckets. We have patient community and awareness, we have training and research support, and then we have our policy and advocacy work. Uh, in the patient community, which we call My Valve, My Voice, uh, we launched that last June, and that continues to evolve. And we wanted to create a, a private space for patients to interact uh, with each other and for us to be able to share information with heart valve patients and them to interact uh, with us. And uh, we provide a variety of resources in that community. And we're going to be building out a way for patients to access uh, more opportunities like to participate in surveys and focus groups and and, uh, things like that. We have also uh, segments for people looking for information about heart valve disease. They may just be curious. We have people who have been diagnosed and are uh, evaluating their treatment options and may be looking for information on on different treatment options and people who have experience with different with different types of treatment. And then we have those who have already been treated who, um, who are looking for other uh, ongoing support. And then we also have a section there for their care partners, which is a, a very critical um, segment in, in this group where we tend to have older uh, patients in, in the heart valve space. And we're looking at creating additional subcommunities there. We also have a simplified clinical trial finder uh, and that's all part about raising awareness about heart valve disease and, and educating patients. And we'll talk you know, more about some of our specific awareness uh, and education efforts later. Um, in the area of training, we're running a program for what I like to call research advisors or research advocates. And, and this is a program funded by the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute, or PCORI. And it's actually modeled after a program uh, the Alliance for Aging Research runs. And this can be considered, I would call it basic training for what's involved in research. It's how clinical trials are designed, ethical considerations, interaction with regulators like the FDA, 
as well as the role industry plays and how to influence uh, payers, whether they be uh, private or Medicare. And then the final component of this training, uh, our last module, and we've received really great feedback on this, is a communications workshop for help helping patients tell their story uh, most most effectively. And 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 that's been uh, we've got great response to that. The goal of all this training is to get patients involved in research uh, through advisory boards or focus groups or review panels for clinical trials. We want the patient voice uh, reflected in, in research, so the research that is being done is, is value to them. So the question that comes up is, what is a patient-centered outcome? And I'll draw the distinction between a patient-centered outcome and a, a clinical outcome. So if we look at a clinical outcome in heart, with heart valve disease, it may be you know, sealing off a valve that is leaking and, and how effective is a particular procedure in, in doing that. And that's fine. And if you look at other areas, we may be looking at lowering cholesterol or lowering blood pressure or something like that. So those are pure clinical medical measures. But what's what additionally is important uh, to the patient? And it may be they may want to return to work more quickly, and that may be um, help them in their evaluation of, of a procedure or an outcome that's important to them. You know, they may want to be able to play around a golf, and that's. Uh, that's important to them, or walk, you know, or walk to the bus. So that's um, that's the type of patient-centered outcomes that should be incorporated in research, and often and often aren't. So we hope that these patients we are training will have uh, input into clinical trial designs, so that they're more appealing for patients, and the more appealing they are for patients, uh, the more patients will participate. We need. We need more patients in clinical trials all over the place, especially in, in heart valve disease. And then how should regulators and product developers and payers uh, consider the, the patient perspective? And that's a, uh, an emerging area. The regulators have been uh, more engaged and product developers are trying to get more engaged and we're really working to try to have the payers uh, weigh patient preferences in, in the, um, the reimbursement and coverage decisions that they make. The next step uh, after this network is created is to bring opportunities to patients to participate. And we've got some early model projects going on now with some researchers from uh, Duke, for instance, and we're looking at some much larger patient recruitment projects uh, for clinical trials. On the advocacy front, I'll just mention one uh, current initiative. We have an issue with Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, where they're the only major Ensure that's not covering uh, TAVR for low-risk patients and, and some other transcatheter procedures. And they have 42 million customers in, in 13 states. So this is a pretty big deal. So we're running a mini campaign to encourage them to change this, uh, this misguided policy. And hopefully by the time you hear this, uh, they will have reconsidered and changed their coverage policy. And if not, we'll work to, uh, to keep that coverage on. Well, thank you, John. You're doing amazing work to um put together a, a great strong network of heart valve patients and to get them involved in research and, and make sure their voices are heard. Uh, one thing we know is that people don't always know when they have heart valve disease though. And, and so as you know, February 22nd is Heart Valve Disease Awareness Day. Um, how is Heart Valve Voice US participating and, and how can others help raise awareness on Heart Valve Disease Awareness Day and throughout the entire year? Uh, we're participating in uh, all the social media and video components uh, of Heart Valve Disease Awareness Day, uh, the tweet chat, uh, really trying to support the effort any way we can. Uh, I know you've been gathering 
patient videos for PSA campaign, and that's that's a great effort and a great idea, and and uh, we tried to support that as well and get the word out on that as well. And I think we did have um, some of our some of our patients engage in that. Um, one of the really important aspects of raising awareness is is bringing all these groups together, and you do that so well under under the umbrella of the Valve Disease Day, and this year, uh, in addition to the Awareness Day, you know, we're trying to help uh, Women Heart, an organization we work with, uh, with their 29 Days of Heart campaign. Uh, we're helping Mended Hearts with some of their initiatives. And we've begun to work with the American Heart Association to jointly amplify our programs. They have some, some great resources for, for patients, and uh, we think we may have a little more reach into the patient community. So we're looking forward to uh, building that partnership with, with AHA. And the bigger point is heart valve disease is, is not well known. <clears throat> so that to the extent that we can feed into <clears throat> larger awareness activities around heart valve disease, uh, that's better for us. And in addition to the specific valve disease day activities, um, you know, it's really more like a week or a month that you run and uh, or a year. Um, and in Europe, there's a separate uh, valve disease week in in September that many of our European partners uh, uh, participate in. So one day is is great to uh, spotlight uh, the disease and these diseases, uh, but we need to keep that rhythm of awareness going throughout the year. And 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 you know you guys do a good job of that. We 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 try to amplify that and and work on our own initiatives. And um, it's a big uh, it's a big task. Definitely. You know, I think year round awareness is important. Why, why do you think that public awareness of heart valve disease is so low? I think there are several factors. Uh, you know, valve disease tends to affect older people, you know, not exclusively, but, but primarily. Um, it's not something you can necessarily control. Like you can't say, well, let's just quit smoking or let's lose weight um, because it, 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 while that may um, improve the condition. It's not really a, a cause and effect kind of kind of disease or diseases. Uh, so when we think about the heart, uh, most people think about you know high cholesterol or AFib or blocked arteries or you know or a heart attack or heart failure or something like that. And they're not really thinking about heart valve disease until until that's a diagnosis they get, uh, which is part of the awareness problem. You know, and it's it's not cancer, it's not Alzheimer's, it's not diabetes. Um, but it's not technically an orphan disease. These are not orphan diseases that might get a lot more attention. So it's, you know, it's really my job uh, at Heart Valve Voice to, to address this and to work to raise that awareness that it's not um, simply something you have to accept. It's not something, uh, the symptoms are not simply getting older, but they are, uh, they're common, uh, they're treatable. And um, you know, we want patients to get to get diagnosed and get the proper care. Yeah, I think that's a really important point with symptoms like fatigue and just slowing down and feeling like things are harder than they used to be. It, it, I can see where people might dismiss them as just a, a normal part of getting old, but we need people to realize that it's not normal and there's something that can be done. Heart Valve Voice US is part of the Just Go campaign, which encourages those with symptoms of heart or stroke emergency to seek medical help without delay. Who's collaborating on this campaign with you and why is it so important? Yeah, the, the Just Go campaign uh, was launched last summer uh, through an organization that we're very active in called <clears throat> Global Heart Hub. And Global Heart Hub is a group of advocacy organizations 
focused on heart disease, including heart valve disease, uh, from from around the world, uh, throughout Europe, UK, Japan, Mexico, Brazil, Canada, Australia. So it's, it's a real global effort. And the campaign was started because um, with with uh, COVID-19, people were ignoring their symptoms of even of, of heart attacks and strokes and not going to the hospital or getting diagnosed or treated. And that, that's still a very important message. And we're still seeing uh, a lot of people ignoring their care. Um, and just as an aside, I mean, one of the things, one of the issues with COVID that I, I, we're only starting to uh, grasp, I think, is that we're never really going to know the actual impact on health or the actual death totals. Because aside from heart conditions, you know, we don't know how many people are avoiding uh, colonoscopies or mammograms or other types of, of regular checkups and routine care that may that may catch a disease. So the impact is is huge. And the just go message, you know, I think translates into into a lot of areas. What we're doing now and and uh, just launched a week or so ago is uh, we're targeting the just go message to people who have been diagnosed with heart valve disease over the past year since the pandemic started, uh, but they've not gone back for a follow-up visit with their doctor, or they may not, or they may have had a procedure canceled and have not rescheduled that. And if you think, you know, as an example, you may have a person who was diagnosed with valve disease a year ago, last February, um, with, you know, maybe it was mitral regurgitation or aortic stenosis or whatever the diagnosis may have been, and their doctor said, hey, come back and see me in six months. Uh, well, that would have been August, and now um, the person didn't go back in August because they weren't comfortable going back during during uh, for fear of COVID or reluctance, or maybe the hospital uh, was full. And now we're another six months down the line. And how much more has that disease progressed in in that person? What is the risk now? What is that person's individual risk of of seeing their doctor, of going for treatment um, versus the, the potential COVID exposure. And hopefully now the, the vaccine programs will, will kick in more and, and, and make people more comfortable. So if you're someone who had a procedure scheduled, whether it was open heart surgery or, or TAVR, and then the pandemic hit and that procedure was canceled because it was considered elective, and we can get into a long conversation about uh, how a heart valve procedure could be considered elective. Um, but now that patient uh, hasn't rescheduled because of, of fear of COVID or perhaps the original hospital is over capacity. So what do they do now? So our message with this campaign is for these patients to get back in touch with their heart teams, uh, to, take, you know, to make that follow-up appointment. Uh, maybe it's through telehealth or even a phone call. Uh, but not to give up and don't just you know, wait out the pandemic because the longer they wait, the more severe their condition may get. So uh, the whole campaign is designed around encouraging patients to talk to their doctors, see if they can reschedule their procedure in another hospital if that's what's needed. Uh, we want people to look at and understand their, their individual risks of deferring treatment versus any risk of COVID. Uh, if it's too dangerous for them, then, then, then stay away, you know, by all means. Uh, but have that talk with with your doctor because uh, your life is worth it, and that's uh, that's the overall campaign. And I, you know, I just want to uh, take a moment on 
on telehealth, which we think can be really a key component of, of getting patients reengaged in their care. We did a snapshot survey in, in December, and at that time, about half of heart valve patients that had a telehealth appointment in the, in the, in the prior six months, and most of them were very pleased with how those appointments went. And we have resources in our patient community and on our website, and, and as part of this campaign, like um, the American Heart Association is a great guide to telehealth appointments for uh, uh, patients with heart valve disease, so they can access that and make sure they're prepared for the appointments and the appointment is productive. But we also know from that survey that there's about 30% of patients out there who really have no interest in doing a telehealth appointment. And so we need to reach them somehow and uh, to get that message out. And it, it, it can be a phone call. We just want them, we don't want them to just you know, ignore, uh, ignore this and wait till uh, the pandemic passes before they, before they visit their doctor again uh, through, whatever, through whatever fashion. This is such an important campaign because it's clearly critical that folks are having that conversation with their healthcare provider and finding out, do they need to be in sooner rather than later? And, and with valve disease, it can be a watch and wait approach, but it can also be something that they need to be treated quickly. And so being in touch with their healthcare provider, whether it's through telemedicine or a, an in-person visit is so important. So switching gears a little bit, when you were a kid, what did you think growing older would be like? When I was when I was a kid, even even as a, as a pretty young child, I was always pretty comfortable around adults, and I, and, and and I was an only child, uh, and I, I always kind of wanted to be older than I was, and I was very impatient uh, about moving into adulthood, and it's a situation of you know I wish I knew I, I wish I knew then what I know now, right? Because um, <laughs> because now we all want to be younger, but um, but, you know, even being an only child, I had a very large extended family. My father was from a family of 10. My mother was from a family of seven. So I had lots of uh, cousins and aunts and uncles. And, you know, especially on my father's side, uh, I, I saw growing older as really meaning, um, you know, not really focusing on the, the physical aspects, I guess, of, of getting older, but uh, meaning you were... Uh, becoming a, a community leader or a political leader or a business leader and uh, to be someone that um, people look to for help or support or mentoring, even though that wasn't really a, a term that a lot of people used back then. So, you know, I, I really saw getting older as just taking on uh, more responsibility. And, and um, I was, you know, a pretty serious child, although you know, also sometimes a jokester, but but um, that aspect of just taking on that responsibility is, is I think, what I saw of of being, um, uh, you know, as as part of growing older. And you know, the physical part of it, um, I, I think I've got good genes, except for some uh, high cholesterol I've inherited. Uh, and there's a lot of Alzheimer's uh, really on both sides of the family. But the flip side of Alzheimer's, and, and you know this as well at the Alliance is um, my relatives tend to live long lives. They live long enough where they're, um, where they have Alzheimer's and, and my mother's 90. Uh, my father just turned 86. They're both in good health. They live on their own. Um, so now I think about, uh, you know, that I'm only 
two thirds of the way through my life. And what am I going to do for the next 30 years? Well, so far, what do you enjoy most about growing older? If it was, if I put it in one word, it would be appreciation. And it's really, um, you know, physically, I've got more limit, limitations and you know things I can't overcome. It's harder to lose weight. Um, I'm a runner, and uh, I know I'm not going to get faster uh, at 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 my age. But there are other challenges, you know, I can find, and just and just to appreciate um, the ability to run and to appreciate the environment around me uh, so much more, you know, to appreciate around a golf um, so much more that. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I probably took a lot of these things just, just, just for granted as, as we do. And now, you know, to appreciate travel, uh, or a concert, uh, or a bottle of wine, you know, and, and, and to enjoy that moment and being in, you know, this kind of lockdown for the past year, uh, just really magnifies, I think that appreciation, uh, more and and I'm just you know I'm so looking forward uh, you know, to going to a concert or just going out to dinner. I, that 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 appreciation has come about, and I hope you know it's probably common maybe with people as they get older. I hope the second thing I'd say that I enjoy is I've really enjoyed uh, becoming a mentor, and I've done that formally in some cases, but it's also evolved organically with, with a number of younger people I've, I've worked with. Uh, and they regularly reach out to me for you know, career advice and to talk through other issues. And that mentoring goes both ways. And I, I definitely feel like I get back as much or more than I, I give uh, there. It's, you know, it's kind of a way to stay young and to see how younger people think and communicate and conduct business. And I, I don't have kids, so I have a little different viewpoint on that uh, without the responsibility of, of being a parent. So this is, you know, even though they're younger, it's really a peer-to-peer -peer kind of mentoring. And I think there's just so much to gain from those, uh, from those experiences. You know, as much as we discuss diversity and understanding different points of view and it's you know whether it's men and women or or white and black or economic class you know i don't think we talk enough about um young and old and and and, and not even old but just you know older and younger and and uh, i think that's neglected a uh, neglected conversation that we should pay more attention to especially in the workplace there's a lot to gain on on both sides and um you know, i've worked with a lot of really talented young people uh, half my age. Uh, they've got great enthusiasm and creativity, but there is really no substitute for experience, you know, for having done something. Um, and, you know, sometimes I, I just kind of like being the, you know, the old wise man in the, uh, in, in the picture. Um, so that's a lot of what I've <laughs> come to appreciate and uh, learn and, and enjoy uh, about getting older. Um, I also like and very much appreciate that I've got the opportunity to uh, work in an organization and help build an organization like like Heart Valve Voice. Um, I've got some freedom 
uh, in this position and I don't have to work, um, you know, purely for, for financial reasons. And it, it's nice to be at that point in your life where you can just do work that uh, you enjoy doing and that is meaningful and that uh, hopefully has an impact on other people. I love that answer, John, because I think you're thinking about what we all think about, which is what could we, what do we wish we could go and whisper to our younger selves and remind our young, younger selves what to appreciate. But on the other hand, it's what, what our younger selves learn from us. What can we teach each other? What can we, what can we learn from people who are younger, people who are older and, and reminding ourselves and each other that, that we do have so much to learn. That's really important. Turning back to Heartbell Voice, where can people go to learn more about Heartbell Voice US and its resources? Sure. Our website is uh, heartvalvevoice-us.org. And we are heartvalvevoice-us because there is a Heartbell Voice in Canada and a Heartbell Voice in the UK and other Heartbell Voices. So uh, heartvalvevoiceus.org. And you can get to our patient community through our website as well. Or we are uh, in the process of transitioning um, into a standalone um, patient community, myvalvemyvoice.org. Uh, so that's another way you can reach us on Twitter. We're at HeartValveUS, and you can find us on, on Facebook or LinkedIn as well. John, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really been great talking to you. Thank you, Lindsay. That's all for this week's episode. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Visit www.agingresearch.org to learn more about age-related conditions, diseases, and issues that impact the health of older Americans. Thank you, and remember to listen to your heart and join us on February 22nd for Valve Disease Day. <laughs>